Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of April 1st, 2021, including Xbox held an idea at Xbox livestream event this last week that offered tons of updates on some of the biggest games coming from the smallest developers. Rumors about Call of Duty 2021 have begun to surface. We got a not-so-surprising rumor about Halo Infinite's launch date, and more. I'm in a great mood this week, and I uh, I don't know why. Just kidding. I actually know exactly why. You know, here we are on the eve of April 1st, which is an infamous, you know, April 1st being an infamous day. It is the April Fool's Day where websites like to put out silly articles that aren't true, and then people like to go, oh, it's April Fool's Day. Of course I'm not going to believe this. Or, you know, there's always that small minority of people who are like, really? Really? They're going to put... They're going to put Batman in that new Fast and Furious movie after all? Oh, man. And then they're like, oh, shit. It's April 1st, which means Batman's not going to be fast or furious. But today we have a really special a really special announcement because it seems like someone out there posted an article saying that, you know, Halo Infinite had been delayed yet again. But you see, it was a preemptive April Fool's Day joke. And and, and, you know, everyone with the big brain, all of us, you know, who listen to the show, of course, probably pretty enlarged brains, maybe so enlarged that your doctor might want to have a specialist take a look at it because it's just too big. But, you know, for people like us with big brains and people, you know, normal people with relatively decent sized brains, we all know, hey, that guy's that guy's trying to trying to get a little sneaky, do a, a little 12 hour early April Fool's Day uh, as I sit here on Wednesday night recording this podcast. But no. Some people had tiny brains, and they get tricked by these these uh, they, by these by these jokes, by these fools, these April fools, if you will. And Kotaku just happens to be one of those fools because they posted a story that uh, Halo Infinite had been delayed yet again. But now they had to retract the story and say, "We are stupid bitches." This is quote what they said: "We are stupid bitches. Halo Infinite is still slated to come out in 2021." So you guys can all play Halo Infinite by the end of 2021, but we will continue to be dumb bitches. Sincerely, Kotaku, a website run by a bunch of dumb bitches. That's what their tweet said. Their words, not mine. I don't I don't know what to tell you guys. So I guess they think they're dumb bitches too. So that's just that. But, you know, I put, put a smile on my face to see Kotaku be a little dumb. It, it, it makes me a little sad, though, because this is probably the first time I've ever seen Kotaku retract an article for false information, which is sad because they've uh, they've... They've published way more detrimental news and false news than this before in the past, but they they never really retract their their news ever. So it's funny how you know when they get the release date of Halo Infinite wrong, they can retract that information. But when they uh when they write like libel about you know some really not so evil game influencers and YouTubers and shit like that, they get to just go around throwing around really crazy and wild assertions about these people they haven't done their research on. And then when it turns out they're wrong about it or they, they spread false information, they can just ignore the article and move on. So interesting to see that be the case. But, uh, hey, Kotaku are a bunch of, you know, they say about April Fool's, they're a bunch of dumb bitches. So 
That's why I'm in such a good mood today. Also, I'm in a great mood because I just renewed my pass to the Universal Orlando Resort. So I'm actually really excited. It's been about eight months or so since I last went to Universal. And I know for most people, it's like, oh, that's pretty recent. But no, like I'm I have a weird issue where I'm just like, wow, it's been eight months since I've been on Woody Woodpecker's Roller Coaster Tycoon 3. That's got to be rectified immediately. So I've actually never even been on the Woody Woodpecker roller coaster. I don't even fucking know what it's called. But it, you see, it's fun for me as a fan of the theme park going experience to be like, wow, I haven't been to this theme park in a while. That means it's practically going to feel like brand new when I go there. So I'm excited for that. I have, I've, I've heard murmurings of a, of a pork schnitzel being sold that looks like I'll have to... Uh, I'll have to check this out. I'll have to do some investigating. You see, Kotaku? You could learn a thing or two from me. You could write about the pork schnitzel, assuming that it's delicious, or you could go and do the hard-hitting investigative journalism reporting that I'm about to do. Get yourself an annual pass. Go down to the Universal uh, Orlando Resort here in, in Central Florida and try the goddamn sandwich out for yourself. That's what I'm going to do. But then again, I'm not a stupid bitch. Imagine if this is your first time listening to Xbox on. You're like, okay, Xbox podcast. It's about dumb bitches and theme parks, okay? <laughs> it's the show all about the Xbox. And uh, I want to jump in some... You know, today today's kind of a light week, I'll be honest. The news isn't too big, too crazy. There's not too much going on here. So it might be a little bit shorter of an episode, you know, knock on wood. I fucking doubt it, but... Here we are. I, I don't got much to say before we jump into our comments, but I do have a little PSA I'd like to start the show off with. Uh, one Mr. Lethal Migraine writes in and says, Ketchup doesn't belong on anything. Full stop. I'm going to do a moment of silence for that one. Thank you with that public service announcement, Mr. Lethal Migraine. And now we're going to jump into our comments, shoutouts, questions, what have you. You see, guys, normally I start with some corrections, but I don't do anything wrong, so I got nothing to correct, okay? So we'll go to the comments. The comments, you go over to YouTube.com. You look up Second Best Gaming. Don't ask me why it's called that. It's my channel. You click on it, you see the Xbox on playlist. You click on that and nothing else. You do not scroll down to the Cars 3 videos from five years ago. Please don't do that. You go down to the Xbox on podcast. You click on the latest episode. You leave a comment. You say something cool like, Roller Coaster Typhoon is my favorite flavor of Mountain Dew. You hit enter. I read it on the show. It's as simple as that. That's all you got to do. Hit the thumbs up while you like there. Don't forget to smash that like, subscribe, and bell button. I don't even know if there is a bell button anymore, but you can do it anyway, okay? And that's how you comment on the Xbox on I'll probably read your comment because I'm desperate for attention. Now, jumping into our first official comment of the week, Mr. Sam Torres says, How would you feel about Taco Bell opening a hotel with thrill rides or indoor amusement park rides? For example, a coaster called the Encha Looper or a flume ride called the Cheesy Double Dipper. With bright orange lights in the water. Okay, Sam Torres, first things first. If you can make theme park chlorine water look like nacho cheese, I will forever be in your debt, okay? Because that will that will alleviate my fear of swimming in water that has been peed or pooed in. Because not, not, not that it means, you know, changing the color of the water means there can't be any pee or poo. It just means... The color is so distorted at that point, you can't you can't even begin to fathom what what to you know what to even be on the lookout for. So I do appreciate that. But how would I feel? I'd feel amazing, Sam. I, my as I've commented, as I responded back to you, I said Taco Bell opens a themed resort with a theme park or a water park or something attached to it. I don't care where in the world they put that shit. You can put it in Nova Scotia for all I give a shit. This is my response. Bye bye Disney World. Hello Taco Town. Okay, because that's where I'm gonna go. That's where I'm gonna live. Is the Taco Bell theme park. 
That's a great idea. Sam Torres, I'm going to take that idea from you now. I'm going to find some investors. I'm going to get with Taco Bell and, and license their IP, if Taco Bell counts as an IP. And then we're going to get that shit built. And you're not going to get a fucking dime for it. You hear me? Thank you very much, Sam. Next up, Count Skyla says, does anyone remember back in the 90s? I know we're going way back. Uh, when a select few McDonald's locations sold personal-sized pizzas, there were two in Kansas, I found, one in Missouri, and I'm sure they had some other pilot programs elsewhere. Anyways, you'd pull up, you'd order your pizza, they'd make you pull forward and wait like 30 minutes while they made it, but it was so freaking good. It had like crumblies all over the bottom. My wife is like the only person I've ever met who knows what I'm even talking about. Side note, I assume that's how Count Scottula and his wife knew that they were meant to be together was that the discovery of that shared experience but continuing on it was in the same vein as the subway pizzas they had for a while back but about 900 times better anyways there's no good info about it online other than mcdonald's pizza is now only available in florida which is like brick oven which i haven't had but it's not at all the same thing just putting feelers out there because taunted me for decades that i can't access this pizza anymore i still smell and taste it in my brain update so I actually did a little more research just now because it's been a couple of years since I've tried it, since I've tried to look it up. And I did find a McPizza site with a, which sort of aligns with my childhood memories. The pizza picture does not look like the pizzas I would get, but I do believe that they were called the McPizzas. I do sort of remember the box. Now, Count Scotula, Joe Murphy chimes in along with this comment you've left here to say, I remember that pizza from McDonald's. It was not so good. Not many people remember that. I haven't thought about it in a long time since your comment. Now I want one. So it was so good that even though it wasn't good, you still made Joe Murphy want one of these pizzas, Count Skyla. So now you're responsible for that. That's on your hands. But I uh, I really want to, first of all, thank you so much for bringing this to my attention because this this sounds like one of those things where, like, I swear I've heard of this before, but I just forgot and now you're reminding me of it. But the fact of the matter is I probably never heard of it and I'm just trying not to sound feel left out or too young to to be in the know but regardless this is this is very important information I, and i do thank you for bringing it up uh so that all the listeners on the show right now can think back think back to the far recesses of your brain your big brains because remember we're not kataka we have big brains here tell me what do you remember about the mcdonald's pizza i looked it up on youtube i tried to remember or i tried to find something on it i, I couldn't really find much at all to be honest um other than apparently yes they used to sell pizzas but there are certain McDonald's locations that would do like full family size pizzas um, somewhere in the, I, I don't remember if it said the mid eighties or the early nineties, but that's one thing I was able to find. Uh, but I wasn't able to find much information else uh, otherwise on this. And to be fair, I wasn't really digging. I wasn't even, I didn't even go to the Bing or the, or the Google to, to look anything up. I just solely searched into YouTube, but I, I, I don't know what to say, man, this is, this is frustrating. You know, this is the kind of whitewashing of history and culture that I can't stand to see anymore, where you have a McDonald's that, you know, McDonald's is kind of on the bandwagon that most most American businesses are on these days, where they're like trying to do that weird thing where they're like, you know, in the 80s and the 90s, we got so loud and wild with our aesthetic. And then in the mid 2000s, we tried to like do something that was different, but not quite as loud. And now in the 2010s and beyond, what, we, what we've kind of gotten into is this, this age of like, inheriting some aesthetic some aesthetic inspiration from the past from the early days while also trying to neuter the fuck out of everything and make it really bland and modern so you see like brands like mcdonald's do this where like mcdonald's has taken out all the personality all the color all the loudness all the charm that the 80s and 90s brought in with it and they're trying to like pick up a little bit of that like old school mcdonald's aesthetic 
from like that you might remember from like the 50s or the 60s or something like that but then also make it really like open and light and bright and basic and modern and boring inside and so mcdonald's is one of those brands you know and they're trying, like they'll try to be all like remember mcdonald's history we got the cheeseburger we got remember ray Kroc? he's a bad guy apparently but he's played by that michael keaton guy who sure does love cocaine and remember the french fries yeah we make you like french fries you know how good a coke tastes at mcdonald's shut up and drink one don't even ask a question about it oh you know the big mac the quarter pounder our history our history we want to remember our history but what they're failing to remember in their history is their failures along with their successes and i feel like based on what i'm hearing here is that the pizza the mcdonald's pizza is something that is a failure mcdonald's does not want to look back on and have remember they want to bury that past it's like that time that the Walt Disney Company made all those World War II propaganda videos with the the Donald Duck and the Nazis that always gets misinterpreted by people when they try to bring this up because they don't actually do the research on it. It's like one of those things. McDonald's is like, we don't want you to remember the pizza. We don't want you to remember the Nazis. All of it. You can't remember any of it. And it's really frustrating because you think they could at least, you know, if you're not going to sell the McPizza on the menu, the very least you could do is maybe have like a memorial poster with pictures explaining and like a couple paragraphs explaining what it was so that when people go into a McDonald's location, they can see the poster on the wall, read the excerpt, be reminded of the history or be enlightened and educated and, and, and introduced to the history that we should all know, which is the McPizza. In fact, I'm in contact with my good friends over in Texas at the McGraw uh, uh, textbook factory people, uh, and I'm lobbying lots of money right now. It's actually your Patreon in advertisement dollars I'm using to lobby to these textbook creators to see if we can get a chapter dedicated to discontinued fast food items of, of, of the 1980s, 90s, and early 2000s. So I do appreciate you bringing this to my attention, and I hope that our future generations will be educated on this matter very soon uh, in an elementary, middle, or high school near them. Now, yeah, uh, the last thing I want to say to this, other than Subway made a pizza that's fucking gross, fuck Subway. The only other thing I want to say to this is that, hey, you brought up the pizzas here the the pizzas at McDonald's in Florida. So I live near that McDonald's. We're kind of near. I live like 20, 25 minutes from that McDonald's. It is the two story. They call it the world's largest McDonald's. I kind of don't believe it's the largest, but it is pretty large. It's two floors. The top floor has an arcade. They have an audio animatronic of that moon guy. It's pretty fucking cool, but I got to be honest, guys, I've had the, the McDonald's pizza at that place. Now I know count Scott, what you're saying is it's a different pizza. Don't confuse the two. I know. But I want to let you know I've had pizza at McDonald's. It is brick oven pizza. You are correct. They also make pastas, and they have a full-blown bakery where they have, like, cakes and pies and shit like that. So it's a it's a really cool McDonald's. And I've I've been to it many times, but I must, I must say, because it's smack dab in the middle of the International Drive Tourist Corridor, over by the Universal Orlando Resort, by the way, uh, because it's over in that neck of the woods, it is very expensive. It is very much a tourist attraction, which, you know, I have no problem with. I love that shit. But it's like, you know... Your regular $7 combo for like a Big Mac or whatever is suddenly like $11 or $12 at this location. So it's not the go-to McDonald's for me. I don't mind driving out of the way to go to it, but I'm not crazy about the price hike. But I will say, I've had pizza and pasta at this McDonald's on multiple occasions. And while it's not the McPizza you're, you're remembering here... Uh, it is very good pizza. So if you if you ever find yourself in the Orlando, Florida area, where we are happy to accept your tourism do- your tourist dollars because we are hurting here, our economy, our local economy is hurting. Please do come. Um, I must recommend the pasta, the Alfredo pasta, or the or the brick oven pizza at the McDonald's here on the International Drive. It is quite quite special. It's uh, something 
very unusual. It's the kind of thing you can go back to your friends in Kansas and tell them all about. Now, we got to move on, guys. McDonald's used to have pizza. How wild. But we got to move on. Patrick Jouch, sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, uh, writes in and says, well-deserved getting those 1K-plus regular listeners on Spotify alone. Back a couple of dozen episodes ago when I joined the fellowship of your show, I was wondering how much fast food stuff there can be in an Xbox podcast. Like, what the hell? But only now I know that I did not follow an actual Xbox podcast, but rather a weekly Diaries of Jesse DeRosa show. I'm not even interested in many of the rather unrelated topics covered, but I'm really enjoying the comments, the commenting and satirical views. Keep this quote misfit unquote stuff going and more will surely come considering commercials i suggest to go with the most absurd stuff offered to you so at least we will keep on having a lot of fun with your show p.s seriously some cringe-worthy videos out there though cars 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 of course referring to my old youtube comment content which you can go ahead and smash that subscribe button if you like to see no more of that because i don't post it anymore thank you for your comment patrick i just want to read that because one it's really nice i appreciate that you weighing in on that and validating my biggest insecurity, which is what if people stop listening to my Xbox show because I don't talk about Xbox on it. So I do I do appreciate those kind words. And uh, yeah, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for reaching out. Remember, if you have an iPhone device, an Apple device, please do go ahead and rate me five stars on iTunes. You can talk all about how uh, Jesse was a little off off his stuff this week, rambling on a bit too much about some uh, theme park and fast food related information. But next up, Flips Mad Max comes in and says, no, 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 I'll never refer to it as Xbox Network. It'll always be Xbox Live. And this will be a thing only kids will remember Xbox Live. Quote, uh, I'll always call it live by nature unless they somehow got all multiplayer games free. It's going to be live. Only then I'll allow myself to call it Network. Well, Flips, that's kind of part of the deal actually is you will be allowed to play multiplayer games for free. They're going to remove that barrier and make it to where if you're playing, you know, if you if you bought Call of Duty and you put it on your Xbox and you don't have Xbox Live, quote-unquote, yeah, you can play online for free. Or if you download uh, Roblox uh, or, or something like that, you can just go ahead and play, play for free. You don't need to subscribe to any service in order to be able to access online. That's actually exactly what they're doing, and it's in, it's in testing right now for Xbox Insiders, so we're already there. It's already happening right now, Flips. You already got it. You, you got to pay up. You, you promise you start calling it Xbox Network. Go ahead and do it. Now, just as a reminder, I don't know if I made this really clear. I tried to, but I think I made it a little messy sounding. They're not saying that they're changing the name from Xbox Live to Xbox Network. They're saying they're removing the Xbox Live moniker. So it's just going to be called Xbox. Basically, Xbox Network is a way to like internally refer to the online services offered by Xbox. So... You know, Xbox Live is a is a name we know because it's a paid for subscription service we use to get party chat and the ability to play games online and get games with gold and stuff like that. That's why the name Xbox Live exists. The reason why it's going away isn't because it's being replaced by Xbox Network, but because games are going to be, you know, playing online on games is going to be a free feature on Xbox going forward. Party chats, things like that. It's all going to be free features going forward. You're basically going to only have one subscription service option, and it's going to be Game Pass. So that's the whole reasoning behind this is we're getting rid of Xbox Live because Xbox Live, the service, is slowly being faded out, phased out, if you will. So again, Xbox Network is a way for like, you know, like people who work at Microsoft to refer to like the network, like the online infrastructure and things like that. It's not really a way for like, 
common folk like you and I, who, by the way, have massive sized brains, uh, you know, to be like, oh, get on Xbox network tonight so we can play Call of Duty. It's like, no, 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 no. Get on Xbox tonight, you know. Oh, can you play Call of Duty? Yes, because I don't need to be subscribed to a service like Xbox Live. So it's not meant to be a thing that we use to refer to Xbox Network as. It's We're just going to call it Xbox. And the network is a way to refer to the online services. It's not a brand. It is a way for people to distinguish Xbox, which is the brand, from its online services, which is Xbox Network. So I hope that put your mind at ease a little bit. Sorry if it still sounds messy, but I, I think I think I made my point clear enough that you can probably in some way get on, figure out what it is I'm trying to say. Lethal Migraine, why'd you come back? Why are you back here? Welcome back. You say Microsoft would be buying Discord for the tech, not so much the platform. It would be left alone as a company like Bethesda. So Lethal Migraine, I agree that, yeah, I think they would probably mostly leave it alone like they, like, like they did with Bethesda or like they... Um, like they have with like LinkedIn or like, or like what they would have done if they, if they actually bought TikTok. I, I absolutely agree. I think, I think the intention is to buy discord and mostly leave it alone, but maybe integrate it a little more closely with Xbox because it does help the Xbox brand. However, I disagree with you when you say they're only buying it for the tech. Yes, there is some really interesting tech that they get as a result of this acquisition, but I think the bigger thing they're buying here is the audience. It's the Discord community, because that's really the hard thing. Microsoft has very intelligent, very talented people working for them. They could build whatever they want, tech, technology-wise. The thing that Xbox, or Microsoft rather, can't just go willy-nilly buying or, or building easily is community. And that's something Xbox... That's something Microsoft really struggles with a lot, especially with brands like Xbox is, you know, Microsoft isn't seen as a quote unquote cool company the way that companies like Apple and Sony are a lot of the time. So that's that's part of, you know, Xbox is the only Microsoft owned brand that's viewed as cool. And so if you can buy Discord, then you get a massive community along with that and you automatically have the cool factor. Whereas if you build a competitor to Discord, you can make better tech than what Discord has as a competitor. But you can't just build the community guaranteed. It's it's a hit or miss. It's like Mixer. Look at Mixer. Mixer was an objectively better service than Twitch. It came later than Twitch. It never built a community the way Twitch did, but it was a better service. It had better features. It had lower latency. It had more audience participation with the streamers. In fact, Twitch eventually started to kind of get inspired by some of the features Mixer offered. Mixer was a better service than Twitch for all intents and purposes, but it still failed. Why? Because it didn't build the community. Twitch had the community, and that's always Microsoft's biggest problem. Zune was a really, really cool product. I don't know if you guys know this, because not a lot of people own Zune, including myself, but Zune was a really cool product, and Zune Music Pass was a really cool service. But the reason why it failed wasn't because it was a shitty product. It was because Microsoft wasn't cool. That brand wasn't cool. People thought cool was iPod. You either had a lot of money, so you bought an iPod, or you had not a lot of money, so you bought something cheap and easy like a no-name MP3 player. But you didn't spend iPod money on a Zune because Zune was, Zune was lame, and Microsoft is lame, and Apple and iPod were cool. That's always been Microsoft's biggest problem traditionally. So why, why would they drop that kind of money? Why would they drop that kind of like $10 billion kind of money? You know, like fucking more than, more than Bethesda kind of money. Because you can't always guarantee the audience. If you're Microsoft, you can guarantee the tech. Because you got, you got that money. You got that, that talent. And you, like people, tech people will fall all over themselves and kill one another for the opportunity to work for Microsoft. But that doesn't mean 
we, the audience, are just going to gravitate towards every cool product Microsoft makes because we think they're cool. Because that's just not historically how it works. So disagree with you. I think the point of buying Discord is to buy that community, not to buy that technology. But I don't fucking know. I'm kind of tiny-brained right now. Although I listen to this show, so I guess I have a big brain. I'm not Kotaku. Kotaku has a tiny brain because they're dumb bitches. Mojo writes in and says, For your intro, sup, X-Boners. Now that's just classy. And for your outro, power your dreams. Now that's just classy as well. 10 out of 10 full approval. Now for ads, you should do fake ads. Maybe just to step outside the box and show your range. Also, I felt depressed for being a gold member. Thanks, bro. So went ultimate and now I'm back to full confidence mode. Peace. Mojo, I'm glad you got your confidence back from it. That's what I always say. If you lose your confidence, if you if you go through a moment of self-doubt, there's always something you can buy to fix your problem. That's, I don't know, I feel like that's always been a solution for me. It's to like, oh man, I feel like I have no friends, or I feel kind of lonely, or I feel like I'm kind of unaccomplished in my life. Well, good thing I got this wallet that, ha- that, that contains the answers to all my problems, so... Good for you, Mojo. I'm glad you found the solution to the problem. Now, I, I will I will say a couple caveats here. Sup ex-boners, for some reason, it's arbitrary, really. I only ever say that on, like, bonus episodes or short episodes. Like, if it's, like, a episode 92.5, but wait, there's more, like we had a couple weeks ago, I'll say, ex- sup ex-boners. But if it's, like, a traditional episode 95 like this week, I'm not going to call you ex-boners. I'm just not. I don't know why. I've just arbitrarily drawn that line. Every time I've done a bonus episode or a supplemental episode of any sort or a little update kind of pushed to your podcast feed, I've always referred to you as the ex-boners, but I don't say that to you on a regular basis because it's a, it's a special thing to be called an ex-boner, and I want to keep it that way. I don't want the sting. Even now, I've just said it too many times. Let's, 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 let's savor it, okay? Lastly, I, if you say I should do fake ad reads just to show my range, just, you know, to make the, the show fun. I agree with you. I think that's a fun idea. I don't get paid off of fake ads, so bad idea, but it's a fun idea, and I agree with you. I've actually, Mojo, what you're revealing to yourself is you're not an OG listener, because I actually have done fake ad reads on the show before, but that's okay, Mojo. You didn't know. You're probably listening to really rudimentary. You're probably listening to stupid Kotaku podcasts back in those days, but it's okay. Clearly, your brain hasn't swollen and enlarged to a substantial point where your doctor's probably deeply concerned about the size of your head because you're listening to Xbox on, right? And you got to have a big brain to listen to this show. Joe Murphy comes in with the next comment and says, love your show. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us every week. Well, Joe, uh, I should be the one thanking you. Cause honestly this show, I, I, I can promise you at this point, we're almost at two years of Xbox on. I can confidently promise you if people were not writing into the show and engaging with the show and leaving comments and giving feedback, I would not be doing the show. I would definitely have called it quits by this point. So thank you for writing in and thank all of you guys for writing in. I, I don't mean that as like a throwing your compliment back in your face because I can't take the compliment. Like I do appreciate that, that compliment or that I do appreciate your comment, but more importantly, thank, thank you guys for your, uh, for your comments. Cause I swear I very confident I would have given up on the show uh, by now, if if, uh, if people weren't engaging. My brother writes in, Josiah, you know, he says, Taco Bell, Mountain Dew, Disney, Halo, all brought to you by Sh- by Raid Shadow Legends. That has a that has a nice ring to it. I, I think we got to get that, that advertiser money. Dead Captain James gives us a little update on his COVID experience. Thank you for updating us. No taste and smell, but I'm good to go. Got my energy back and went back to teaching the other day. Thank God spring break is next week because Monster Hunter Rise came out today and I will be grinding the hell out of that game. Well, Dead Captain James, I'm glad to hear that you're feeling well and you're back at it. 
Um, and I hope you have a really nice, fun spring break because God knows you've earned it after suffering through COVID. And, you know, I hope you enjoy Monster Hunter Rise. It looks like a pretty decent game. It just came out to Switch. Looks like it's selling extraordinarily well. So good good on Capcom. Good for you. Good for everyone enjoying Monster Hunter Rise. But I don't want to get distracted by the most important thing here, and it's, it's your leadoff. You said, no taste and smell, but I'm good to go. The fuck do you mean you're good to go? You can't taste and smell. So, like, what... Again, that, like, clock's ticking, dead Captain James. The quesalupa isn't going to be on the menu forever. You know that. So, I mean, I know there's nothing you can really do at this point, but, like, I don't know. There's got to be some, like, ancient, like, uh, ancient Xbox fanboy secret, you know, to, like, maybe, like, some tea with honey in it or something, something to help bring the senses back. I don't... I'm sorry, man. I really, really hope you're able... You haven't even expressed any interest in having the quesalupa, and here I am for the second week in a row, really, really <laughs> sending my sending my uh, my best wishes to you for not being able to taste or smell it. Uh, Flips Mad Max comes back in and says, the double XL stuffed burrito, grilled stuffed burrito is the best item on Taco Bell's menu. Fight me on it. Flips, I totally forgot this item existed. Uh, I don't think it's been on the menu, at least here in the Southeast. It hasn't been on the menu in in, in years. But I, I know there are at least two times where they did have it on the menu. And yeah, you're actually right. I kind of forgot about this item, but that was that was a pretty damn good item. I wouldn't say it was the best Taco Bell item of all time. I think they've definitely done better than that. I'd say the quesalupa is, is even better than that. But it is a damn good menu item, and I do appreciate you. Uh, bringing that one up as well. I'll be sure to include that in the history books as as I continue to lobby and fight the good fight. Mr. Miggy jumps in here and says, I actually found that video of yours back because it was your most viewed video. Not making fun of it, lol. Also, I completely understand not being able to be creative with living with your parents. That's why I haven't really made anything creative at home. As for the movie theater, I'm fine with anyone ordering whatever, even if it's nachos, but I prefer sneaking things in. Like one time when I wore cargo pants and carried all of my friends' snacks and even a drink. Mr. Miggy, you say a couple things I could comment on, but there's only one thing I want to bring up here. What the fuck do these cargo pants look like? That you've got, presumably, a family-sized shareables pack of Reese's cups in your, in one pocket. You got the Jingle Bells, because it's Christmas time maybe. The Jingle Bell Nestle Crunch Bars in, your, in one pocket. You got a fucking 48-ounce Super Slurpee or some shit like that from 7-Eleven sticking out of one pocket. You've got, you know, maybe like a stick of five gum, five, five chewing, what, what, what is it called? Five gum? Yeah. The chewing gum? Five? What it what it's like to chew five gum? Anyway, you got that in your pockets. You got possibly even like half a leftover uh, Whopper uh, from Burger King in a pocket or, or like, I just, I, I want to know what the fuck these cargo pants look like that you got all this shit in there. You got, you got like a, like a fucking large popcorn that you brought in there. Like, I just, help me to understand what this looks like, Mr. Miggy. And then our final comment for the week comes from Mr. OG Man, who says, Jesse, I can totally relate to having old cringe videos that rack up hell of use. I have an old account called Awesome Man 32795, didn't even spell awesome correctly. Back when I was in middle school, or maybe fifth grade, I made top 10 lists of games knowing damn well I had never played most of them and was just copying other lists I found on YouTube lol. My current highest view, uh, my, my current highest viewed video is a top 10 GBA games of all time that sits at about 118k views. I also had a Guitar Hero account back when that was cool, never forget where you came from, man, you're killing it. Also, I always listen to you on Spotify, and that's how I found the show last year. I just come to YouTube to comment. Well, thank you, OG Man. 
uh, for that anecdote and for those kind words. I, uh, <laughs> I really do appreciate that because not only is it entirely relatable just for like, you know, the kinds of ways you think about using YouTube when you're, when you're young and you want to put shit out there on YouTube. But I also really love this because it just, for some reason, like I have, I have like such fond memories of like being 12 and like coming home from school, from like middle school and jumping on the, the one computer in the house, the family computer that we all had to share because we didn't have laptops or anything like that. And, and just being like, okay, this is like my 40 minutes on the computer before my sister gets home from high school and kicks me off or something like that. Like I got to make it fucking count. And then you go on YouTube and you're just like, shit, I've already watched every video there is on YouTube on Sonic the Hedgehog 2006. Like what the hell am I going to do now? And then you just end up finding like the most obscure, like not big YouTuber, like 50 view count, maybe sometimes you find videos. It's like seven views because this is back in the day where like you could search a topic on YouTube and find, find videos with almost no views just because I guess the algorithm was different or there was just less content back in the days uh, or back in the day. But I just, I just remember seeing this kind of like Microsoft windows XP movie maker, like slideshow videos with like fucking, Papa Roach in the background doing like top 10 GBA lists with like Naruto pictures in, in, in between, you know, picks for some reason. It's just this, this, everything about this anecdote is really taking me back to those early days of YouTube. And I'm really feeling it. The, the off, off screen camera footage of like someone getting like 90% on a fucking John, what is that? Uh, John the Fisherman or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't fucking know, man. It's just a... <laughs> It it brings me back to like a warm and fuzzy place in my memory, and I I I love this. Shout out to a uh, awesome man spelled wrong, awesome man three two seven nine five. Rest in peace. Uh, thank you for your great YouTube com- content from way back when. Now that's gonna do it for all this week's comments, shout outs, and whatnot. Remember, guys, for next week, you got something to say. I told you where to go and say it. Don't be shy. Reply. Next, let's jump into what I've been playing. But before I can tell you all about that, I've got to tell you about what I've been eating. Guys, two things I want to talk about here. One is what I've been eating and one is related to eating, but I haven't been eating it. Start with what I've been eating, okay? Nice and simple, guys. Saturday night, I find myself available on a Saturday night. Let's just say available, right? My girlfriend's doing some homework. She's catching up on some of her some of her homework. She's trying to be a good Samaritan, do do the right thing for herself and for her future. And I'm there like, I don't do, I don't do jack shit, actually. And I'm not feeling like playing a video game, okay? I don't want to reorganize my Hot Wheels, okay? I got my skinny jeans on already. What the hell am I supposed to do? Just take them off and lay in bed? No, I'm going out tonight. So uh, a friend of mine is like, hey, I'm at Disney Springs right now, which is like this place at Disney World. It's just like a basically like an outlet mall. It's just like restaurants and shops. Anyway, I'm at Disney Springs right now. Come hang out. I'm with my girlfriend. Come meet up with us. Let's go out. Okay. I said, you know what? Middle of a pandemic... Fuck it, I'm tired of it. I don't give a shit. I'm a Floridian. This is what we do. We kill people. And so I go out to the Disney Springs. We meet up. We booing up. It's club night. You know, I got my nicest Hot Wheels shirt on. I got three sprays of that American Eagle cologne I got on. And I'm feeling good. You know, I got my favorite mask on. Um, my hair looks all messy because I took a nap uh, when it was wet. Whatever. Here we are at the Disney Springs. And we come across my favorite restaurant. You know where, You know what I'm saying. Rainforest Cafe, guys. It's a giant volcano. You get to go inside there. There's a rainforest on the inside. There's animatronic gorillas beating on their chests and yelling. And there's fake rainstorms every 20 minutes. What what else could you ask for? So we 
we we posting up at the Rainforest Cafe. Uh, it's later in the night, so the restaurant's clearing out, thank God. And we grab we grab a spot at the bar. And I gotta say, shout out to the Rainforest Cafe. They're really socially distancing. They're leaving like way more than enough space between tables and things like that. So we have like it's a large ass bar. You know, it's a it's a big bar in a tacky tourist restaurant in the middle of Disney World. So you expect it to be a large bar. And you know, it's just like us and one other party, and we're on, like complete opposite ends. So I'm, I'm loving it. The Rainforest Cafe already taking care of my primal needs by distancing me from other humans who I'm inclined to fight with if they turn out to be Kotaku readers. So I'm already in, in a good mood. I got my cologne on. I got my Hot Wheels shirt on. We're at the Rainforest Cafe doing real adult shit, about to order a potentially minorly alcoholic beverage if they if they can muster the strength to pour at least half a shot in this $17 fucking pina colada. But we sit down. We're at the Rainforest Cafe. Guys, I got the Rainforest Sampler, we got the chimichachas, we got the cheese sticks, we got the spinach dip, we got the chicken tenders, everything in one massive plate. And I just got to say, for 20 minutes, you know, whatever it was, I'm sitting there eating this food, everything in the world felt like it was going to be okay. Like, all of a sudden, I just felt like there was no hatred, there was no divisiveness, there was no opposing ends of any spectrum, you know? It was all just good. We were all just one, we were all... Uh, devolved back into a, or maybe even evolved, I might say, into our primal state back in the rainforest. We were, we were, you know, monkeys. We were, we were, we were chimpanzees and gorillas and whatnot. You know, we come from, from monkeys. That's who we are as human beings. We are all, we're all gorillas in the rainforest trying to survive the storms, if you will. And I, I love that rainforest cafe serves as that metaphor for life is we're all just these primal, uh, exposed, just very fragile, and these creatures that that are basically just riding out storms, and that's what that's what Rainforest Cafe is. Every twenty minutes, they do the rainstorm. The animals freak out. The lights flash. The sounds go off, and it's a reminder that life is full of storms, and we shouldn't spend our lives waiting for the next storm. We should spend our lives enjoying the moments in between, and that's what I had at the Rainforest Cafe. I gotta tell you all about it. The food was amazing. I don't give a shit. You know, oh, you're eating chicken tenders at the Rainforest Cafe. You're, you're a child. No, man. I'm a goddamn adult. Because I had the balls to get out to the Rainforest Cafe and, and to take in the message that they're trying to convey to their, their patrons. And not only that, but my friend goes ahead and orders... Oh, he orders the dessert. You know, they got that dessert. It looks like a volcano. It's got four brownies on each side and a bunch of ice cream in the middle of the, of the, of the volcano with caramel and whipped cream and chocolate sauce pouring all over it. And a little streamer that used to be a sparkler, but because lawsuits exist, it's now a little pom-pom streamer. And guys, it's a fucking rainforest cafe explosion of flavors, dessert flavors, I might add. And it's just the perfect way to top off the perfect evening. I got to give a shout out to my favorite restaurant. After all, I am a Landry select club member, the rainforest cafe. If you haven't, been to a rainforest cafe and, and i know they're international what's your fucking excuse get to a rainforest cafe i believe it was phil spencer who once said there are only two things when it when i when i think about gaming we think about our platform and where the gamers are and how many people out there uh want to play games in the way access is limited by having our games exclusively on consoles which is why we're proud to which is why we're proud at Xbox to be bringing our games to the places where people want to play the most. He said something to the effect of, you know, when we give players more options, whether that be through Game Pass or xCloud or console or PC or mobile devices or the Xbox uh, accessibility uh, controller, he's like, I think about how we're able to, you know, give 
more players more ways to play the games and to control and to have control of of the games they want to play. And I think that was all a preamble because he followed that up with saying, we're proud to announce Xbox Game Pass is coming to Rainforest Cafe location. So it is pretty much the official dining experience of Xbox. That's all I'm going to say. Now, the other thing I want to mention about food, guys, is earlier this week, I was watching a video on YouTube. Sometimes when I'm on my breaks at work, I'll just watch like really mind-numbing, like mushy YouTube stuff because, you know, work is like getting to me and I just need to like unwind for a second. So I just, I, it's like, it's like fish looking out a fucking fishbowl at like some dumb kid tapping on the glass. That's how I feel like when I'm watching YouTube on my breaks at work. So I come across this video uploaded by Mashed and that's how you know it's bullshit. Uh, and it was a video ranking all the big chain burger restaurants in the United States, uh, basically from worst to best. And of course, you know, mashed journalists, all that shit, very California. So they have to talk about all the restaurant trains that are chains that are pretty much exclusively available in California as if that's indicative of what the rest of the country gets to experience. But that should be expected. You know, lots of pats on the back to the in and outs and the Carl's juniors and whatnot. But these motherfuckers, that's not even the part that, that bothers me. These motherfuckers have the audacity to rank the absolute worst burger available at a chain restaurant in the United States of America. The very worst option, the one they put at the very bottom of the list, they selected Sonic drive through as the worst fast food burger. Guys, I'm not here to tell you Sonic has the best burger of all time. It's not. But it is a damn, it is a damn serviceable burger. It is fine. With a period at the end. It is fine. And these motherfuckers are saying it's the worst burger? Hello? Are you fucking crazy, man? Have you ever had Checkers? Like, what the fuck? But yeah, the Checkers rallies, way worse burger. Burger King, way worse burger. Because because their quality is so inconsistent. Yet these motherfuckers at MASH go ahead and put Sonic at the bottom of the list. Like, what the fuck? Okay, I know your blood's boiling. Calm down, because I'm about to tell you something even worse. What do they put at the top spot? What do they put at number one? And by number one, I mean they're putting this above Five Guys. They're putting this above Shake Shack. They're putting this above McDonald's. What did they put at number one? They put fucking Culver's, which is like overpriced steak and shake that tastes bland as shit. They put Culver's at the top. Guys, I'm still heated. I watched this video four days ago, and I still can't stop talking about it. I had like, I brought it up twice at work already, and I've got my entire office heated about this. Like, you got to understand me. This is a real problem I have. And I thought about writing my congressman, but luckily, lucky enough for me, I'm, you know, I'm lobbying right now. So I might be able to get an excerpt or something in in the, um, in the textbooks about this one, you know, refer to figure 2.3. And like, I have a whole thing about burger ranking, but like, this is really driving me nuts. And all along the way, they have a bunch of stupid ass hot takes. They put Wendy's way above McDonald's. They put Burger King above McDonald's. And these motherfuckers be crazy guys. Like they just... Wow, a mashed, fuck you, fuck your burger ranking, there is no such thing as subjectivity, uh, there is just my opinion and that is all, but god damn, I got really heated watching them, I, for once I understood what it was like to be a Star Wars fan, watching, watching these guys butcher a, a cheeseburger ranking list, but guys, don't believe me, look it up, you have access to YouTube, look it up, mashed ranking burger whatever it was posted like nine or 11 months ago or something like that like roughly about a year ago and that wasn't a 9-11 joke it was, just, it was literally nine or 11 months ago but watch it for yourself absolutely like you will be putting your fist through a wall after you see this shit it's, it's awful now guys that's what i that's it for what i've been eating let's let's leave it there gotta bring up to you what i've been playing because i have a confession to make 
This week, in my free time, I've been playing a little bit of Master Chief Collection, some Halo 2, Halo 3 multiplayer. Uh, sometimes, you know, laying in bed a little bit over the weekend, I've been playing some Mario Galaxy on my Switch. Love Mario Galaxy, still my favorite game of all time. Honestly, between Halo 3 and Mario Galaxy, I'm playing my two favorite games of all time this week, really. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nice. I, I, I'm trying to give my Switch a little more love, you know? I'm like, ah, Mario Galaxy is such a good game. I'm kind of at the end of that again. But fuck, fuck the Switch. It has so many good games on it, even though they're mostly ports, but, like, the Switch isn't good to hold. It just feels so cheap and shitty. Like, the best way to play the Nintendo Switch is to use the Pro Controller, because the Pro Controller actually feels pretty good on Switch, but everything else feels like shit on the Switch. But you play a game like Mario Galaxy, really your only option is to have the two uh, Joy-Cons separate, because you gotta simulate that Wii Remote nunchuck feeling, so it's kind of a frustrating situation. But nonetheless, Mario Galaxy... Favorite game of all time. Holds up like like a like a bell, whatever it is, the saying they say. But I've been playing that. Now, I haven't been playing a lot of games lately. You may have noticed. And I gotta tell you, that might not be changing anytime soon. This week, I uh, officially embarked on an online class for Comp, CompTIA, CompTIA, CompTIA A+, certification. Guys, I'm, I'm trying to get my CompTIA A+, plus certification so I can get a job in IT. I don't know. My brother started taking the class and he's like, you should take this class. And last time he told me to do something, he told me to download an app that tracked my calories and I lost 15 pounds. So fuck it. I'm going to do this as well. I, guys, I, I want to learn new skills. I want to learn new things. I want to be eligible for different career paths. So I'm going to better myself. I'm going to learn new things. And um, so I started my uh, IT online course this week. And I got to be honest, I'm having a lot of fun with it, actually. I'm really enjoying the content so far. It's a lot of information. I'll probably be kind of busy with that. So I'm, I'm going to try to stay dedicated to that, try to see this through to the end, and then take the test and, and get this certification. But I only bring this up to let you know it has to come at the sacrifice of something. And because I can't really sacrifice my theme park time on the weekends, it's going to sacrifice, you know, I'm going to have to sacrifice some of my video game time. So just to let you know, at least for the foreseeable future, I'm still going to always have time and make time for video games. They're, they're my, my greatest love right next to theme parks. And I, I can't not play Halo. Like, I'm not a fucking, you know, I'm not some goddamn snake oil salesman or whatever. I gotta, gotta play the Halo 3. Gotta play, just, just gotta do it, you know? Gotta, gotta do it. But I, I am gonna be, you know, probably just playing a little bit more like multiplayer unplug your brain kind of jump in jump out games and spend a little less time with like the big single player story-based stuff because right now I simply need to just free myself up more and more for this class so I just want to let you know that wish me luck I hope I don't give up now that's it for what I've been playing what I've been eating and all that guys I think it's time we should get into the news what do you say well I don't give a shit what you say because I can't this isn't a live audience thing you can't hear me yet so there's like a 12-hour delay between me recording this and you being able to listen to it so Fuck you, we're jumping into the news. Gamers, future Jesse here. Just want to let you know we actually missed a story that broke somewhere around in between when I finished writing the show notes and when I recorded. So I just wanted to interject real quick, throw this one in here. I'm not really sure where this would normally fit in the normal run of show, but I, I did just want to add this in real quick and then we'll go back to the rest of the podcast that's actually already been recorded. So spoiler alert before I, I read this, you know, since this is future Jesse talking and I have already recorded the rest of the show and this is just a little part I'm dropping in the middle here, I would like to give you a couple of spoilers, you know, from the future, um, you know, 
So later on the show, I'll go on to talk about the news, including some Call of Duty and Halo related news. But here in the future, uh, we know that uh, actually uh, Activision has purchased uh, Microsoft, uh, which makes no sense, but they did it anyway. And uh, now Halo is in every Call of Duty. He's actually uh, one of the big Black Ops characters. So every Halo game is now canon in the Black Ops universe. Just want to let you know that. But real, real talk, guys, we did miss a story and I did want to interject it. We'll get more into the other information later. But this, the story we missed this week in the news that I have to drop in here real quick for this edit is that Microsoft is adding backwards compatibility uh, to old like OG and 360 Xbox games now via Xbox Cloud Gaming. So this is from Xbox Wire Reads. Today we're embarking on a new journey for backwards compatibility, taking it to the cloud. Game Pass Ultimate members can now tap into a collection of favorite games from the past in a whole new way, right on mobile devices, turning them into retro handheld game systems. 16 original OG Xbox and 360 games are now on Android phones and tablets, with more games coming soon. We've listed... We listen to feedback, going all the way back to the earliest cloud gaming preview, and making games from previous generations available on mobile devices has been one of our most uh, requested features by the community. So now you can play a range of games on mobile from the original titles like Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind to Xbox 360 hits like Banjo-Kazooie, Fable 2, and Fable and Fallout New Vegas. We're also enabling touch controls for Jetpack Refueled, Viva Pinata, Viva Pinata Trouble in Paradise, allowing you to tend to your garden with ease. With games connecting through Xbox Network, you're, oop, they said Xbox Network, oops, you'll be able to bring past saves with you and play along with gamers from around the world. Existing Game Pass Ultimate members can get into this today. If you're not a member but you're interested in shipping away at your back catalog and finally getting uh, to the games you've been meaning to play since 2010, sign up now. Blah, 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 blah. That's it. Here's a list of games real quick. This is the full list of games supported now with more coming on the way. You got Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie, which were Xbox arcade games, of course, originally on N64. Uh, Double Dragon Neon, Fable 2, Fallout New Vegas, Gears of War 2, Gears of War 3, Gears of War Judgment, Jetpack Refueled with touch controls enabled, uh, Cameo, Perfect Dark, Perfect Dark Zero, hey... Uh, Elder Scrolls 3, Morrowind, Elder Scrolls 4, Oblivion, Viva Pinata with touch controls, and Viva Pinata Trouble in Paradise with touch controls as well. So that is the whole story there. Guys, this is a, a nice one. This is just, you know, cloud gaming obviously becoming more and more robust. Um, this is something I guess we kind of assumed would eventually make its way, but honestly, this isn't something I had thought about all that much lately, but or, or all that much at all with cloud gaming, but this is kind of a no-brainer in a way, and this is just another one of those Microsoft moves. It's like, ah... They're just, they're literally figuring out every, every computation of like, but how do, but what if I want to do this on this platform with this stipulation in this way? And they're just, they're finding all of the little ifs, ands, and buts and connecting it all together. So there's no excuse for why you don't have access to everything, regardless of where you play and how you play. So I guess they're really staying true to their new marketing material, but this is really exciting stuff because not only just like more ways to make old games accessible, which is so funny you know, to be, hear Microsoft say in the same week that Sony announced that they're shutting down the PS3, PSP, and PS Vita stores so you can't buy shit anymore. So in the same week, Sony's basically saying, fuck you, you can play our new games and nothing else. Microsoft's like, hey, we're finding the most obscure ways so that you can still play Viva Pinata, even though you probably don't give a shit about playing Viva Pinata. And I'd much rather have that alternative where, where you can just play all the old games in any way, shape, or form because you know, preserving game history is really important to me. And clearly it's really important to Xbox and clearly it's a big part of their winning marketing strategy here. So this is really exciting stuff. And, you know, we'll see this list continue to grow. But the thing that really gets me the most on this is the enabling of touch controls. You know, it's like one thing when they're like, hey, Minecraft Dungeons, a new game that 
people play a lot. It's Minecraft, so it's a really well-known and loved IP. We're adding touch controls so that the game works well on mobile. It's like, okay, that's kind of a no-brainer, right? Because Minecraft Dungeons is a new game. It's Minecraft. And you could see a game like Minecraft Dungeons getting an iPhone app or an Android app. So why not? You know, if, if the way you have to play it on mobile is through Game Pass or through cloud gaming, rather, then, like, this makes sense, right? So with a game like like uh like minecraft dungeons you think okay well that's kind of somewhat of a no-brainer but still impressive that they're doing it nonetheless but then you start seeing more obscure like old titles like we're making rares viva pinata which was like an og xbox 3 like which is like an old earlier xbox 360 game suddenly with touch support like that is some real dedication to like just making this shit accessible and making it work so I, I, I don't know, like big, big kudos and props to Xbox on that one. But yeah, we'll just leave it at that for now. Just want to slip that in there so the news didn't go unreported for this week. Uh, but now we will go back to the regular podcast that I already finished recording. The previous Jesse, we're going to transition back to old school Jesse, the Jesse that doesn't know the future, who doesn't know in the future uh, that all Tesla cars will actually turn against humanity and enslave human beings. But it will be worth it because they will imprison us in cells where we have access to nothing but mountain. Do Baja Blast, uh, Taco Bell's extinct menu items, and endless uh, endless internet bandwidth to play the latest Call of Duty Cross uh, Halo game that Activision so kindly bestowed upon our future selves. Uh, so with that said, back to the regular show. Thank you for allowing this interjection. X-Boners, Jesse out. All right, like I said, not a terribly big news week, but we got some stuff to talk about. So first of all, last Thursday... You know, the idea at Xbox Indie Showcase happened. You know, the week before that, I said, you know, rumors of this happening, probably not happening. And then it happened. And I said I wasn't going to delay last week's episode to accommodate it because I didn't think it was going to be a huge event or anything like that. And I was right. It's not. Um, Although, you know, that wasn't like a big risk putting that out there. I mean, I think that was pretty obvious that it wasn't going to be a huge deal. But nonetheless, we did get some information. We got a lot of trailers, a lot of additional looks at some some games, some news about things that will be coming to uh, Game Pass and, and whatnot. So Windows Central broke down some of the more important announcements, and I just want to pull some things from that and go over some of the announcements made during the Indie Showcase. It was kind of a not-so-sexy presentation, kind of spread out over a lot of streaming and a lot of, like, interviews and dialogue and stuff like that. It wasn't like a sizzle, like, collection of sizzle reels, and that was it. So just to kind of parse through what happened and get to the meaty stuff, First of all, they announced Rust is coming to consoles. It's coming to Xbox Series X, S, and 1 on May 21st. And the console edition now has a trailer available on YouTube, blah, 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 blah. Uh, So, yeah, they showed that out. Uh, They showed that off. They revealed pre-orders for deluxe and ultimate editions of the game, which includes three-day early access uh, to the upcoming beta. And, yeah, the game's available for pre-order now. Now, Rust is a game that people have been hoping will come to console for a very long time. So, that is kind of a big deal. I just... I'm not a PC gamer, so I just, I, I've never really been too tapped into the Rust community, but I know that's a big deal for a lot of people. So that was like the first large announcement, enlarged announcement. Next, Song of Iron got a new trailer showing off uh, this Viking 2D kind of game that reminds me, it's like God of War in 2D kind of, but it's, uh, it's coming to Series X and S. One and PC later in 2021. Uh, so there's a new trailer for that that was shown. They also showed Lost Oasis, which is coming out uh, actually now. It's it's available right now. It was it was released at the time they showed the trailer. So that's available on all Xbox platforms, which is like a ship based exploring dungeon game. I don't know. I didn't really watch too much of this one because it just didn't seem like my thing. But 
you know, I'm sure I have seen people tweeting a little bit about it, talking about it on the internet, so it might be something worth checking out, Lost Oasis. Now, Death's Door was also shown. It's coming out this summer for Xbox consoles and PC. Uh, this is a Devolver Digital uh, published game, but it's very, like, Zelda-inspired. It's a top-down action-adventure game. This game looks pretty cool, actually. I'm, I'm actually pretty interested in trying this out. And they did, did an interview uh, with the game's developer, blah, 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 and showed more of it. But, yeah, all you need to know is there's a cool trailer of, for it. It's kind of like an old-school Zelda game. You can see it on YouTube. Um, comes out summer 2021, and I think I'm going to give that one a try. Now, we've got an update on Second Extinction, which is that first-person Turok, Left 4 Dead-looking dinosaur-killing game which I think has been in early access now for a little bit, but they announced that it's coming April 28th. It's optimized for Series X and S, available on Xbox One and PC. And they showed another gameplay trailer for it and showed, yeah, basically the official thing will be coming to Game Pass, launching into Game Pass on April 28th, but it's still going to be technically in game preview, so that's a little annoying. But yeah, I'm, I'm actually... I guess, So I guess it hasn't been out. It's, it's coming to Game Preview through Game Pass on the 28th of April. So just a few more weeks. I'm definitely going to check this one out. I thought I personally thought this game looked really cool, although it seems like a lot of people just were kind of meh about it, but it looks like a pretty first-person shooter game where you, where you fight dinosaurs. So I'm, I, I, I don't know. To me, that sounds awesome. And then they finally showed some Stalker 2 stuff, but the disappointing part is they didn't show a new trailer or anything. It was just like a dev diary. So... You know, they, they're still saying the game's going to come out this year for Xbox Series X and S and PC, and, and it's going to be a Game Pass and cloud gaming game, but I, I'll be honest with you guys, I think this is the game, just because of how quiet they've been on it, I think this is going to be one of those games that continuously gets delayed a bunch of times, so I wouldn't be surprised to see this slip into 2022, to be honest, but I hope it's a 2021 game, uh, it looks great, I really want to play this game. Uh, but yeah, Stalker 2, they showed some more of that, just not a lot of gameplay, it was more a dev diary. And then they showed a bunch of other stuff, uh, including 20 games that were shown at the show, which are going to be coming to Game Pass. Uh, and then, and let me just read off a couple of notable ones they, sh they showed. Uh, the most notable thing they showed that I'm really looking forward to that I didn't bring up is The Ascent. We got a new trailer for that. Unfortunately, we did not get an announcement or a, a release date announcement. Um, so it's still just a 2021 release. But The Ascent is that third-person twin-stick shooter with like cyberpunk-looking uh, RPG-type game uh, that I think just looks fucking awesome coming exclusively to Xbox consoles and PC. So I'm really looking forward to that. They showed a new trailer. But they showed a bunch of stuff, you know, and a lot of stuff coming to Game Pass uh, including, I'll, I'll name a couple of them. They got Art of Rally, uh, Astria Ascending, Among Us, Backbone, Boyfriend Dungeon, Craftopia, Dead Static Drive, Edge of Eternity, Hello Neighbor 2, Library of Arena, Little Witch in the Woods, Moonglow Bay, Narita Boy, Nobody Saves the World, Omno, uh, Re Recompile, Stable, Second Extinction, The Dream, The Dreams Elsewhere, sorry, She Dreams Elsewhere, Stalker 2, The Ascent, Undungeon, Way to the Woods, and The Wild at Heart. I guess that's all the games coming to Game Pass, but whatever. I just read them all. So tons of good stuff. Most of it coming in 2021, or technically all of it is penned for 2021, but I'm certain that Stalker 2 and maybe some others will get delayed, slip into the 2022 time frame. But nonetheless, pretty decent showing in terms of just a large quantity of small games for people to look forward to. Uh, I know I'm pretty excited for a handful of those games. So that was the uh, the showcase of the ID at Xbox. 
that they did last week. You can go and watch the trailers. It's all on the Xbox YouTube page. They have trailers for everything. So there's lots of stuff to see there. Find out which games you're looking forward to. Let me know which games you're looking forward to. If there's one that's like, Jesse, you dumb idiot. How could you have looked over um, poodle hunting? It's so good. Who doesn't want to hunt a poodle? You can do it on Game Pass now. And it's optimized for the Series X. Uh, but anyway, that so that's our first story there. Not too much to really sink your teeth into. Just a lot of little updates on some uh, interesting games. Our first full-blown article, like a typical standard Xbox on news story, coming from Windows Central here, we got a little update on Call of Duty 2021. So apparently, according to some leaks and some rumors, Activision is returning to World War II again uh, for 2021's Call of Duty game. Now, we know it hasn't been that long since Call of Duty took place in that time period with Call of Duty World War II being released in 2017, but this time around, we don't have a ton of details about how this foray into World War II will differ. There have been reports that this Call of Duty will explore an alternate timeline where World War II did not end up in end in 1945 and instead continue into the 1950s, but Eurogamer disputes uh, this leak and reports that this year's Call of Duty will have a traditional World War II setting. So some conflicting reports, but both nonetheless talking about World War II action. Now, Eurogamer also reports that the uh, subtitle for the game may be Vanguard, uh, but the full title hasn't been solidified yet. All we know now for certain is that Activision is looking to release this Call of Duty in late 2021, as per usual. But Sledgehammer Games, the developer that handled the last World War II Call of Duty game, uh, is reported to be the lead studio working on this year's COD, while Call of Duty continues to rely on uh, yearly releases, Call of Duty Warzone, the free-to-play Battle Royale game, of course, has undoubtedly shifted Activision's focus for Call of Duty in the last few years. It's unclear how or even if the next Call of Duty will integrate into uh, Warzone like Black Ops Cold War did, uh, but the chances are still high that it will in some way. I mean, it's got it. That's what the article says. I think it's got it, right? Because now at this point, we're, we're at the point now where the Call of Duty kind of platform is basically like every November you have a new release come out that that boosts sales of, you know, games sold. You get people hooked on a new multiplayer, a new campaign, blah, 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 blah. But it's a way to also reinvigorate and pump more content into the Call of Duty Warzone free-to-play multiplayer or Battle Royale game, which is like, I guess, supposed to be the bread and butter now, even though both are incredibly lucrative for Activision. So, you know, the idea being that if 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 you want something that connects the Call of Duty universe, it's like this ever-evolving, you know, Call of Duty service that just keeps going 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 if you if you're one of those people that's like i hate how call of duty games it's like one year in the games in the spotlight and then they drop that game and go on to the next one well warzone's your thing warzone's the thing where it's like call of duty continues to evolve it continues to improve and get better and we don't leave it in the dust we just give it new content as new games come out and i guess that's kind of the thinking although i hate that because warzone's not cool at all but anyway more important to this to the story the actual game itself so this is interesting because you might remember last year when, when you know, before Black Ops Cold War was officially announced, we knew the rumor was leading up to the game's announcement that it was Sledgehammer's turn to make a Call of Duty game. They were in some development nightmare shit. And then last minute, Activision was kind of like, okay. And by last minute, I mean probably the final year of development. Activision was like, okay, Treyarch, you're up. And Sledgehammer, you're on the back burner. You get another year to develop. And you guys got to figure this out. So basically what happened was 
as you may know, Call of Duty is on the three-year development cycle. It's supposed to be, you know, Infinity Ward puts out a Call of Duty, then then Treyarch puts out a Call of Duty, then Sledgehammer, then repeat, repeat, repeat. That way, each of the three developers gets three years to develop their respective Call of Duty entry. And so, you know, if you follow the pattern, uh, 2020 should have been Sledgehammer because they put out a game in 2017, which was World War II. 2018 saw Black Ops 4 from Treyarch. 2019 saw Modern Warfare 2019 from uh, from uh, Infinity Ward. And then 2020 should have been Sledgehammer's turn to go again. But because of, you know, as the reporting suggests, there are some development issues. Basically, Activision said, okay, Treyarch, we know you're supposed to be the 2021 guy. Too late. You're up. You know, and between them and Raven and all the support studios, they kind of pulled out Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War last minute with Raven doing the campaign based on, you know, stuff they were already working on and uh, and Treyarch focusing more on the multiplayer and zombies kind of sweet. And then, you know, all the support studios that help make Call of Duty as they as they always do. So. That was kind of the story as we knew it, based on reporting. There was never any like real confirmation, but it was pretty widely accepted that that was the story. And the story even continued to unfold by saying that Sledgehammer was working on another World War II-related Call of Duty game. So this does fall in line with that information, that, you know, had this game gone on perfectly and flawlessly development-wise, this new Call of Duty World War II game possibly would have released last year in 2020 and Black Ops Cold War would have been a 2021 game. So these two games could have technically flipped had everything gone according to plan. So it's not entirely surprising in that regard alone that the next Call of Duty game is from Sledgehammer and it's a World War II game. So that doesn't surprise me in that context. What does surprise me though is that Sledgehammer, you know, they're the newer of the Call of Duty developers. The OG COD developer is Infinity Ward. Then it was, then Treyarch kind of joined in around the the port of Call of Duty 2 and they made Call of Duty 3 that was their first like Call of Duty they made all on their own so they they're pretty OG they've been around since the early early days but Sledgehammer is the new guy on the block when it comes to Call of Duty their first entry in the Call of Duty franchise was 2014's Call of Duty Advanced Warfare so the fact that so so keep in mind Advanced Warfare is highly regarded as or is, is often regarded as one of the worst Call of Duties and then their second attempt was Call of Duty World War II, which came out in 2017. Also considered widely to be one of the worst Call of Duties. In fact, Sledgehammer's time with Call of Duty so far has kind of bookended what are widely considered to be the bad years of Call of Duty. Because people mostly consider, I feel like generally the temperature on Call of Duty is like, the franchise starts to lose its luster after Black Ops 2 and Modern Warfare 3 as you move into like Ghosts and Advanced Warfare. And then the franchise kind of stays stale and loses its luster and becomes generic and boring up until you get to like Black Ops 4 slash Modern Warfare 2019. So it's it's interesting because you know, sandwiched in the middle there with all the Black Ops 3s and 4s and the Call of Duty Infinite Warfares and the Advanced Warfares and the World War 2s is the Sledgehammer game. So Myself included, a lot of people thought that because of the botch kind of set up last year with Sledgehammer's game and because of the last minute turning of having to have Black Ops Cold War be the game last year, a lot of people assumed that what this meant was Sledgehammer is being nixed as like a main pillar of the Call of Duty development team. They're going to be they're going to be brought back to more of like a support studio and they're going to go back to the whole Treyarch Infinity Ward switching off thing with just a lot of support studios beefing these teams up and helping them get these projects out. That was what myself and a lot of people believed to be the case, but if these reports are real, what this confirms to us is no, that's not the case at all. They're still giving 
Sledgehammer a shot here. Sledgehammer still has another run at making a big Call of Duty game, and hopefully, you know, they get it right. And and, and obviously, there's no Call of Duty game that sells bad, but uh, Sledgehammer games are often considered critically and by fans to be the weaker Call of Duties, and I think sales-wise, you know, they're usually not the, the biggest hits. I mean, now, again, every Call of Duty is a massive selling success. Don't get me wrong. The worst-selling Call of Duty game still sells, inc- like, infinitely better than 99% of games that will ever be released. Don't get me wrong. But that being said, relative to other Call of Duty games, generally Sledgehammer's games or entries tend to sell softer than Infinity Ward and Treyarch. So that also surprises me there. Activision being a very hungry and greedy and, you know, company that is very much about the bottom line, which is why Call of Duty is so incredibly, you know, saturated and annualized. It's surprising to see them continue to give this weaker studio the chance to be the the third pillar of what is undoubtedly the biggest franchise in gaming, uh, just from a money-making standpoint. So that, that does surprise me a little bit. And it it almost makes me wonder if their attitude is like, well, this game was too far along in development and we had too much invested in it. Let's just delay the game to 2021. Let Sledgehammer finish this, put it out there. And if it's like a big hit, you know, if it's like their best game yet, we'll keep them around. If it's the softest, most over budget, like weakest call of duty and people aren't crazy about it, that's it. You know, Sledgehammer is being reduced to a support team and we're going back to the duality of Infinity Ward and Treyarch. So I almost wonder if that's what this is going to be a story of, but it makes me, you know, like I said, I already went through my Call of Duty phase, you know, for the past 10 years. Like I, when Black Ops Cold War came out, I played enough of that game to like satiate my Call of Duty need for a while. But so that being said, I, I really didn't have much of a, I never really had any expectation that you know, the 2021 Call of Duty game would be a game I'd play. But just knowing this, it has me pretty intrigued to see what this game ends up looking like, what it ends up being, and if it ends up being any good. Because I personally do fall into that camp of, like, Sledgehammer makes the weakest Call of Duty games. And this is something I learned a lot a few months ago when I was falling hard on that Black Ops binge that you guys might remember, uh, which is that I find it to be the case that Treyarch by far makes the most fun Call of Duties. Their Call of Duty games seem very arcadey and really playing to just the mechanics of the franchise and really just making it as fun as possible. Plus I like usually the settings and aesthetics they choose a little more. Uh, I feel like Infinity Ward is always like the most technologically advanced Call of Duty games. They they push the boundaries and the mechanics and the settings and the graphics and everything to the max and they make, you know, the Call of Duty I think most people probably think about when they think Call of Duty. And then Sledgehammer I feel like makes the weakest Call of Duty. Like the gameplay just always feels somewhat like the design, the level design, the map design, everything just always feels so like paint by numbers and safe and just kind of just trite if, if that makes sense so I, I i don't know i i don't know where i'm going with this i just i i find it interesting that here's sledgehammer you know despite all their shortcomings with a with another opportunity to carry the great the, like the most lucrative gaming franchise on their shoulders basically let's see if they can pull it off this time because i would be really interested to see not only one what this game's going to end up being but two what this means for their future, depending on how the game performs. And, and, and of course, I say how it performs relatively. We know it's going to sell like crack and do very, very well. But what I mean is, is it going to be, you know, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019 successful? Or is it going to be Call of Duty Ghosts successful? So that's that's what I mean by, you know, it's success. So, yeah, that's that story. Obviously, it's all rumors and reports right now. So we're going to have to wait to learn some more official word. Um, you know, if it's anything like Black Ops Cold War... You know, that game was kind of being rushed out, which so I assume that's a large reason why, but that game was announced very late for Call of Duty. You might remember we didn't learn about it till like September, I think. 
We learned about it in like August or September. And usually the, the, the Call of Duty games are announced around April, May. So usually we'd be about four to six weeks out from the next COD announcement. But I think between the way the development cycles have gotten gummed up a little bit, plus with the success of Warzone and not wanting to like have the hype cycles kind of eat each other, um, I think they might be pushing the announcements later. So might not be till like August or September until we see this game. But again, we're just stuck kind of waiting for now. Our next story, guys comes from Windows Central and says, beyond knowing uh, that it will release in the fall of 2021, the official release date for Halo Infinite has been a mystery ever since its delay. However, actor Verilon Roberts recently revealed the uh, specific launch window for the game before it was supposed to go public on a podcast that was posted to YouTube. Roberts stated that the game is going to launch in late November this year, which means that Halo fans can expect to get their hands on Halo Infinite in November 2021. Notably, Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, has also stated on a podcast uh, that the game will release in November. Neither of these statements have been confirmed by 343 or, or Microsoft, but the studio may clarify the release date soon now that both vo- voice actors have talked about it. In terms of who uh, Robert represents in the game, uh, he is voice acting uh, Spartan Griffin, uh, who's most notable to Halo fans uh, for his for his for his inclusion in the recently released Halo Shadows of Reach novel. He may be known as the Spartan that goes along with Sarah Palmer uh, and the other Spartan Force to link up uh, with Master Chief in the story, which I haven't gotten to that point in the book because I'm listening to the audio audiobook and I stopped about halfway through. I need to get back to that, whatever. This is not a story where there's a lot to go off of because this is what I've been saying since the moment it was delayed. The moment it was delayed is like, this is this is a full year's delay. This is like the game was always supposed to come out in November and the delay just means it's next November. I never for a second thought, oh, Halo Infinite's coming out in spring or summer or anything like that. I think it was always clear at least to me, that Infinite was going to release in November. They want that big holiday title. They want that full year delay to really polish the fuck out of this game. They want to have something real special cooked up for the holiday season. And I, I they also want the marketing to fall in line with the 20-year anniversary of Halo and of Combat Evolved and all that. So I think it makes total sense that it's coming out in November. And even though, yes, this hasn't officially been confirmed... To me, I, I see this as a confirmation because I was already so confident without any leaks or rumors or slip-ups that the game would be releasing in November. So to me, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, there's there's no way this is in November. So that's why there's not much to talk about here. It's like, yes, this happened. Yes, this is the news. Yes, this is more than likely the truth. But there's nothing to speculate or divulge here because, yeah, I mean, like, by show of hands, did anyone really think Halo Infinite was coming out at any point other than this fall? You know, if not November, at the very least, like, did anyone think there's any chance this game came out at any point other than within the September to November window, right? Like, no one. Okay, we're good. So, I don't know what else to really say on that. looks like two voice actors, including Master Chief himself, have slipped up and said, yeah, November. And we all speculated November, and November's the 20th year, 20 year anniversary of Halo Combat Evolved. I, I think that's all pretty pretty concrete set in stone this game is not coming out in july kind of information so whatever that's my take on it not really much else to go off of there but uh yeah that's the story it's just that simple now ign reports that cd project red have announced uh that they've signed a contract to acquire canadian studio digital scapes Digital Escape Studio, based in Vancouver, has been working on, with CD Projekt Red for three years during the production of Cyberpunk 2077. The studio will become a CD Projekt Red Vancouver um, once the acquisition is complete, and they'll join the developer's profile of teams that includes the three existing ones based in Warsaw, Krakow, and Rollclaw. 
God bless. Sorry, sorry guys, I'm bad with the pronunciation. Quote from, from CD Projekt, it reads, We believe in the hugely talented Digital Escapes crew and, and believe that they are the perfect foundation upon which to build a wider CD Projekt Red Vancouver team, Zawadi, head of production and CTO at CD Projekt Red in a statement about the acquisition. This is a great opportunity for Canadian developers to get involved with CD Projekt Red and their incredible IP for CD Projekt Red to tap into Canada's deep talent pool and game making craft, added Marcin Shaddy, or Shaddy, the head of Vancouver Studio. So goddamn lots of people with uh, names I can't pronounce for shit, so I'm sorry there. So this is the thing is I didn't I don't think many people knew, but I, I didn't know that this company one even existed or two that they were working as a support role with uh, with CD Projekt Red on Cyberpunk. That that shouldn't come as a surprise. Big games like Cyberpunk usually do have support studios like fucking speaking of Halo Infinite, there were a bunch of support studios helping with Halo Infinite. That's pretty common stuff. Uh, I can't help but feel like the acquisition of this team is kind of a way of them saying like, yeah, we we really need to get all hands on deck on like fixing Cyberpunk, getting next-gen patches out, fixing all the issues with the game, getting it running on old hardware. And so a part of me feels like this acquisition is like their way of saying like, we need more hands on deck. We need a more concrete, full-time, fully uh, integrated team that can help us get these these massive tasks of finish basically with finishing the development of cyberpunk 2077. Cause let's be honest, they're not patching a game that has some bugs. They're basically finishing the development of the game while it's out. It's, it's basically a game that launched in early access. So I, again, I am still so tired of talking about cyberpunk and I don't want to continue this conversation, but the story has to be read. It is news. And I think this has a lot to do with getting more hands on board in a more official and full-time capacity kind of moment. Uh, a way to to get more people to be able to work on these different projects surrounding cyberpunk whether it be getting these updates and patches done working on the next gen uh update and things like that so that's my guess what's happening here but congrats to the guys at digital escapes while yes it's not a great time to be associated with cd project red you guys probably just made a bunch of money so congrats to everyone involved in that regard and then our final story of the week comes from ign and it is that anthem's game director jonathan warner has left bioware after nearly a decade at the studio warner announced the news on twitter alongside a gif of the spinning top from inception he says so today is my last day at bioware I'm moving on to do new things. Bioware has made, uh, has been home to my grateful heart for nearly 10 years, and I want to wish them the best. Dragon Age, Mass Effect, and Star Wars: The Old Republic are all in good hands, and I cannot wait to play from the side, from the other side of the screen. Hashtag thank you. Hashtag Bioware. Now Warner's decision to leave arrives a, a bit over a month after Bioware officially announced that it would be stopping development of Anthem next. And a few months after, a lot of other notable Bioware talent have left the studio. Now, this doesn't totally surprise me. Like, this was this guy's baby. This game is this guy's project. And now that's canceled. It's dead in the water. Like, I mean, yeah, you can move on to other Bioware projects if you want. But, like, your game director, this is your baby. This is your project. It's your live service game. You know, regardless of how people feel about it, it's like, this is your thing. Like, if there's an opportunity or excuse or reason to leave and move on to the next thing, an action like this would be the reason. So I get that. Um, so the, the big news to me isn't so much that he's left. Oh, how scandalous. It's more like, wow, this is the billionth fucking person to leave Bioware in the past few months. Like, again, I, I'm saying this as of this moment, Bioware, you know, whoever makes the next Mass Effect, the next Dragon Age, the next Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic game or whatever it is they make after this, 
whoever makes these games is not the same people that made Anthem and Mass Effect 1 and Dragon Age 2 and all these games that we hold near and dear to ourselves because at this point, the teams have just changed so much. This is not, you know, the team that brought you Jade Empire or KOTOR. Like, this is just the name that brought you those games with all new talent because just so many important figureheads have left this studio. And I can't help but see this as fuck you EA, poor management, just way too much control, taking away like literally everything we loved and we were working on, just constantly fucking things up and changing direction of the studios and doing so has cost them so much talent. So I assume this is, you know, I'm not trying to be that guy who hates on EA and blames EA for everything because it's popular to do, but like, I don't know how you see such a mass exodus of a studio that's dealt with so much change and so much shakeup and so much turmoil in recent years and not see this as like, yeah, this is because EA really fucked up the studio. I mean, all this stuff is just the rippling side effects of, you know, ever being forced in the first place to make Anthem. Um, so there's that, but I mean, these are the lasting effects is they are constantly losing people. The game failed to be what they want it to be. And this studio is just evolving into something entirely different now. And I mean, congrats to, to Jonathan Warner. Hopefully, you know, whatever's next for him, he's totally happy. And I'm sorry that, you know, basically his project was killed. So I don't totally blame him for leaving, but this is, uh, if you're a Bioware fan right now, this isn't like bad news necessarily, and it's not great news, but it is definitely a sign that, you know, whatever Bioware puts out next is going to be the beginning of a totally new project, a totally new team. This is not the Bioware we're used to, that's for sure. But with that said, guys, that's going to do it for all of our major news stories of the week. Now we're going to jump into the important enough news stories, stories important enough to make the podcast, but not quite important enough to warrant their own discussions, which we have a handful. Uh, the first one is some bad news for people like myself who have incredibly large brains. I don't I don't read Kotaku, but I was going to play this game this June until it got delayed. Yep, Turtle Rock Studios is working hard to make Back for Blood the best game it can be when it launches, but the team needs more time to do this. Therefore, we will release Back for Blood on October 12, 2021. We thank our community for its continued support and are excited to share that there will be an open beta this summer. Back for Blood logo, Turtle Rock logo, Warner Bros. logo, zombie background. Okay, this is the announcement. Very sad. Here's the thing. We always say, you know, right? Oh, delays are a good thing. It means the game's going to be better. It's going to get the polish it needs. It's going to get the attention it needs. Yes. Okay, I'm happy about this. Also, I'm happy about this because October 12th is a great release date for what is ostensibly Left 4 Dead 3 great release date it's, it's in the halloween season there's no better time to get like new left for dead than when you're in the middle of the halloween season it's the perfect weather but not here in florida where it's still hot in october it's the perfect feeling in the air time of year all the spooky events are happening you go into the grocery store for some fucking reason they got ghosts on all the on all the hershey bars they got they got pumpkins on all the reese's for some goddamn reason kids are walking around with Fortnite masks on all the theme parks have uh, kids dressed up in makeup running around and screaming at you it's a great time for a Back for Blood. It's a great time for a Left 4 Dead. Don't get me wrong. And we're still getting a beta this summer, so you still will get to play Back for Blood this summer. But man, this was going to be my summer jam. So I'm not actually like that disappointed about it. In fact, I'm, I'm trying to really look on the bright side. And when I do, I'm actually pretty excited about you know the outlook of this being a Halloween game. Man, Back for Blood. It was going to be a summer game. Anyway, so that's that's that. Next, IGN reports that uh, EA's announced EA Sports PGA Tour, the next-gen golf game, which is currently in development. The game will be the first created as, uh, as part of a new long-term deal with the PGA Tour and will be built on EA's established Frostbite engine. 
EA Sports PGA Tour will allow players to build virtual careers and visit many of the famous golf courses around the world. Maybe even the ones at Walt Disney World. And also features, uh, featured will be some of the most famous golf players in the professional world who play. Uh, players will be able to test their skills against. EA promised that further details about the game will come in, the, in a few weeks. In, in a few months, we'll get a release date, whatever. But it is important to note that uh, the game will feature famous pro golfers, um, but Tiger Woods will not be one of them. Because recently, 2K release or signed a multi-year exclusive deal with Tiger Woods. The golfer was previously, you know, the face of EA's long-running Tiger Woods PGA PGA Tour series, but that contract ended in 2013 uh, when you know EA kind of ended that with him based on those accusations and and improprieties that. Professor Woods was engaging in. Then the series uh, got became associated with Rory McIlroy in 2015, and then EA Sports PGA, uh, you know, just kind of became the new embodiment of the franchise. So this is a new stepping stone for golf fans and for EA's golf series. And 2K will get the Tiger Woods deal, but kind of a bad time to have that deal because Tiger Woods is just in a really, really bad accident. So I don't know how that factors into all this. Um, but yeah, that's a little update for all you golfers out there, of which there probably aren't many in the Xbox on community, but nonetheless, important gaming news. Now, next, guys, this is one I'm really excited about, even though it is small news, not important enough to make the podcast, but important enough to warrant on discussion, whatever. This comes from Xbox Wire. They say, today we're excited to introduce not one, but two new Xbox wireless controllers to add to your per- personal collection. Xbox wireless controller Electric Vault which is like this neon yellow Xbox controller that looks fucking amazing for 65 bucks comes out April 27th uh, in most Xbox markets worldwide and can be purchased at select retailers, including Microsoft store, check your local retailer, whatever. Many of you may have seen this already, but it's that like neon yellow Xbox controller with black um, bumpers and triggers and a black D pad. And then like even the analog sticks are all neon the only gripe I have with this fucking controller is the backside's all white, and I hate that. I hate that they're doing this with the Xbox um, Series X controllers, where they're like, oh, it's this beautiful, like, ruby red, but the back is white. It's this beautiful electric shock blue, but the back is white. For some stupid reason, it's like, just make the controller one color. Like, I love the black D-pad and the black triggers and bumpers. Like, that looks great with the neon yellow. In fact, it's really just stunning. But then the black back panel just fucking ruins it. I wish they would stop doing that. It's so annoying because, don't get me wrong, I'm 100% planning on buying this controller if I can get my hands on it, but it's just so annoying to me that it's going to be all like fucking boring and bland and white on the back for no reason. So, that. Then there's another one they announced, which is Day Strike, which is like a red and gray camo one that's kind of ugly in my opinion. But at least on this one, like the backside is the same color as the bumpers and the triggers, so at least this one has more coherency. Like, like with the electric vault one, they should have at least made the back panel black to match like the D-pad in the triggers, rather than white, which just contrasts so fucking obnoxiously with the neon and the black. Like they could have just done that. Like if you're not gonna make the black neon, or if you're not gonna make the backside neon, just make it black, and that will that will blend in well. That will that will pair well with the main color. God. I get so heated on this. Like, I just, I feel like no one ever complains about this, but I I take such issue with it because it's such an otherwise beautiful controller. But anyway, the Daystrike Camo one, $70 instead of $65, and will be out May 4th instead of April 27th. So keep an eye out on those if you're looking for them. Next, X- Xbox Wire reports that uh, today they introduced the Bang and Olafsen Bio- Bioplay Portal Wireless Headphones for Xbox. 
These are some really fancy $500 headphones that are coming out for Series X and S that a lot of people were bitching about on Twitter because they're expensive. I don't know. I'm sure they're super nice, really high quality, incredible fit and quality or build or whatever, but $500 headphones, I'll just wait for those $100 Microsoft ones to come back in stock. Next up, the Microsoft Store Spring Sale is now is now a thing, saving you lots of money on Xbox accessories and games. On April 2nd, the Spring Sale rolls out with the addition of many Xbox and PC games, discounts on Game Pass Ultimate memberships, movies, apps, TV, more, including up to 75% off select digital games. So keep an eye out on that great sale, including a discount on Game Pass Ultimate. Next, GamesIndustry.biz reports that 505 Games has added a new franchise to its portfolio from in the form of Cyberpunk Ninja action outing Ghost Runner. The company worked with Polish publisher All In Games on the game's initial release back in October, uh, but now it takes full control of the IP as well as all licenses for all technology solutions used in the game. Ghost Runners recouped its 2.5 million euro uh, production costs on launch day and sold more than 500,000 copies by the end of 2020, with All In expecting sales to reach uh, 1 million later in the year. Next-gen versions of the game have already been announced and will release at the end of 2021, as well as a version for Amazon Luna and a couple DLC packs. Next, GamesIndustry.biz also announced, and this is our last one, that former Ghostwire Tokyo creative director Ikumi Nakamura is, is opening her own studio. The news was revealed in a video published yesterday or the other day on Cutscenes, a YouTube channel run by Japanese press outlet GameSpark, a Japanese documentary maker, Archipel. In a 17-minute clip, Nakamura explores a variety of abandoned buildings as she explains in voiceover her ambition to open her own small studio and to work on original intellectual property. The name of the studio has not yet been announced, but you know this is notable because Ghostwire Tokyo, of course, a game from Tango Gameworks, which is a Bethesda studio, which is now Xbox, and Nakamura, you know, when she originally announced the game at E3 a few years back, people were really smitten with her and really liked her and her bubbly personality and really were excited. She like kind of instantly became like a, a thing in the community, in the games community or whatever. So a lot of people were kind of like shocked and confused when she left shortly afterwards. And so now this, you know, explains a little bit more of what she's been up to. This video explains a little more about why she left. So you can look into that if you're interested. But with that said, that's going to do it for all of our news this week, guys. Hey, we did finish up a little bit earlier than usual. Not not, not too much, but hey, that's that's uh, that's new for Xbox on, whether you like it or not. That's 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 different. Now, guys, this is the this is the time for our new game releases of the week, of which there are 12 new releases. This is the point where we go to Xbox Wire. I say the names of all the new games, and I make fun of them based on nothing more but their title and a screenshot. So our first game of 12 is I Saw Black Clouds, coming out March 30th. So it's out now. Xbox One X Enhanced, and this is some FMV game or something, because that's a real picture of a real girl in the woods looking at a bush. So uh, I assume that's real life, not Xbox One X Enhancements. Narita Boy comes out now. It's out. It's on Game Pass. You can download it for free. It's a robot that's like smashing stuff, and the screen has like a CRT filter over it. So pretty cool if you're a 80s or 90s kid like me. C14 Dating comes out March 31st and it says Japanese looking as it sounds. It's optimized for the Series X and X, but I don't know what the fuck that means when you're talking about a dating sim. Uh, Escape for Escape from Life Inc. comes out March 31st. That's a good name for a game, but the game literally looks like a bunch of 
defunct Disneyland attraction animatronic figures standing and staring at each other in a 2D plane. Xbox One X enhanced somehow. I don't, don't know how. It's really rudimentary looking game. Uh, Radon Blast comes out March 31st, and it is like a Space Invaders tribute game, uh, but it's a break breaker, so that's actually kind of cool. Um, not a lot of break breakers these games, so these days, so might want to check that out if you like to break bricks. Uh, Squad Killer comes out March 31st, so it's out. It's out. There's little skeletons dancing around on the screen. There's little ghosts and pellets flying everywhere. This is one of those games that's just trying to, it's just trying to grab your money based on the gore factor of the skeletons and whatnot. Uh, Akalisha uh, is April 1st. It's out. It's not an April Fool's joke, although I wish it was. April 1st also gets Outriders. It's a Game Pass game. It's optimized for Series X and S. It supports smart delivery, and it looks awesome. I can't wait to play it. I requested the day off Friday so I can play it. I'm really looking forward to it, but I'll probably just go uh, I just lay in bed and sleep all day anyway. I don't fucking know. But guys, it's Outriders, April 1st. This is a huge get. But it looks like some game where you play as like some like a mummy type creature with a couple pistols in their arms, in the hands of the arms, I guess. The hands are attached to the arms and the guns are in the hands of those arms which are holding the hands. Don't think about it too much, guys. It really is that confusing, but it don't gotta be. Mittelborg City of Mages comes out on April 2nd, and it's a a wondrous game for people who have uh, many no friends and uh, like to build empires just to watch them crumble. Papa's Quiz comes out April 2nd. It's like a party game, but uh, I mean, that's what you have a phone for, right? Uh, Sturmfront comes out April 2nd. It's an Xbox Play Anywhere game, and it actually looks kind of cool. It looks like a Contra type top down variant of a shoot 'em up game, and might have to take a look at that. It looks kind of interesting. And then lastly, Train Station Simulator is out April 2nd, and it is certainly a Nintendo NES looking train game. So that's going to do it for all of our new game releases. Guys, it's a new month, which means new games of gold. And two things here. Okay, first of all, here are the new games of gold you get, right? Vikings Wolves of Midgar is available all month. And it's an Xbox One game. Truck Racing Championship is an Xbox One game available all month long. Or from April 16th to May 15th, I should say. And I'm actually kind of interested in trying that. So I'm, I'm going to download that for sure. And then Dark Void, which is a 360 game from Capcom, is available now until April 15th. And then Hard Corpse Uprising, which is, I believe, um, it's like, I think, it's, I think that's set in the Contra universe or whatever. But that is available from April 16th to april 30th and it is an xbox 360 arcade game guys why do i bring why why do i go so slow what am i trying to bring up guys i want to mention this to you okay here are the ps plus games just like xbox live games of gold this is ps plus which gives you free games every month just like xbox games of gold but this is what you get on playstation from april it's three games instead of four, but much higher quality games. On PS5, you get Oddworld Soulstorm, which is a brand new PS5 game. So you get that for free with PlayStation Plus. And then on the PS4 front, you get Zombie Army Dead War 4, which is an awesome zombie game, part of the Zombie Army Trilogy game series, um, which is a fucking awesome get. And then you get Days Gone, which is arguably one of the biggest, most important must-play games on the PS4 first-party game. So, three games instead of four, but all three high-profile must-play games. Whereas, on Games of Gold, you get four games, but all varying degrees of, like, what the fuck? So, I just want to put this out there, guys. As we continue to get into this world of, like, Xbox Live being phased out and Gold being phased out. And, you know, these services kind of being sunset as we move more and more into Game Pass. Just want to put out there. 
Maybe it's time to just fucking chop the leg off instead of trying to trying to save it. You know, it's a dying limb that's just attached to this fucking body. And we just kind of chop the thing off and let it go. Because who the fuck is looking forward to playing Truck Racing Championship other than maybe me? Or Vikings Wolves of, of Midgar? Like, come on, guys. Like, just fucking get rid of Games of Gold. It's redundant with Game Pass. You know, we know why Sony needs it. They don't have a Game Pass. We have Game Pass. We don't need Games of Gold. Get rid of this. Get rid of the gold subscription. Get rid of the live moniker. Get rid of the paywall for playing games online, which they're already doing right now. Let's move on, guys. The future's here. And and, and with that future, I think we've been afforded the power. And with that power, I encourage each and every one of you to power your dreams. You like that? That's a pretty smart way to end it. Fuck you. We'll see you next week, guys. April Fool's. The whole, the whole episode was a joke. Fuck you. I'm erasing it all right now. I'm not even going to upload it. April Fool's. Fuck you. You're all tiny brain Kotaku readers. Bye-bye. Set me free